Thank you. No, no pressure. <laughs> Just graduated from Teachers Academy. No expectations. Amen. It is an honor to be here, of course, and to just to be a part of such a wonderful family. That's what you are, right? And I want to break out, and we are family, but I won't, so. <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate this church and Pastor Rick and Joanne and their, their leadership, their humility, and I just think God has great things uh, in store for this church for the next year, don't you? Amen. Praise God. Amen. So turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, starting with verse 25. <clears throat> While you're turning there, I want to tell you a funny. Is that okay? <laughs> so, Sister Gertrude going home one, day, one night from Bible study, and as she enters into her home, she hears this racket and this noise, and she said, oh my God, somebody's in my house. Somebody has broken in my house. Somebody is stealing my stuff. Sure enough, there was a gentleman there, had a mask on and had a bag and, you know, fixing, getting all the, stealing all her stuff, and, and so he hears her, and so, of course, he starts running, and she says, stop, Acts 2.38. The man just froze in his steps. And she just quietly goes to the phone, calls the police, tell them what's going on. The police arrive. Of course, she, she explains the situation to them and what she did. And, of course, they, they handcuffed the man. And as they're handcuffing him, the police officer uh, looked to the, the, the gentleman, the burglar, and said, said we don't t tell us something. Why, why did you stop? Uh, all she did was just, just quote a scripture verse. He said, a scripture verse. He said, all I heard was, I got an axe and two 38s. <laughs> so, um, scripture's pretty powerful. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and have laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Repeat after me. Today, Today I, will receive I will receive with meekness, with meekness the, implanted word of God, the implanted word of God, which is able to save my soul. Save my soul. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that the greatest teacher of all is here with us right now, the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we do depend upon you. Open our eyes to see. Touch our minds to perceive. Open our hearts to receive this word today. May it bring refreshment. May it build our faith. May it encourage us in you today, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I have uh, titled this message, in the classroom with Jesus. What if Pastor Rick got up here and said, next week we have another guest speaker? And his name is? Jesus. Jesus. Do you think anybody would be interested in coming? Do you think any, anybody would want to hear what he had to say? I think so. Well, you know, Jesus is and always will be the greatest teacher of all time. Amen. And uh, he didn't even graduate from Teachers Academy, but he, he's still a great teacher. <laughs> Amen. But you know, Jesus didn't teach just to be heard. He, he, he didn't teach to impress people. He didn't teach to, to build his ministry. He didn't teach just rules and regulations and the traditions of men. But what he did do when he taught, was impart revelation. 
Now, what was the purpose of this revelation? It was relationship. So the purpose of the revelation was relationship. It wasn't just to fill their heads with all this knowledge, you know, but it, it was for them to understand who he was and what he had accomplished for them so that would draw them into him in a relationship that was based on love and not rules and regulations. Amen? And so what I want us to see is that you and I today are in the classroom with Jesus. Every day, just like his disciples. Now, where was his classroom? Was it like this? Was it like classrooms at Karis? Where was his classroom? It was on a mountainside. His classroom was in the bow of a boat. It was in, in somebody's home or somebody's kitchen, right? So his, his classroom was everywhere. And Jesus took opportunities from everyday life and everyday situations to teach his disciples about who he was and who they, and who they were in him and how they could expand the kingdom of God just by following him and doing what he did. Because that's what Jesus did. He said, I only speak those things I hear the Father say. I only do those things that the Father does. And so Jesus was the master teacher. And I believe today that he wants to teach us. Say, I'm teachable. teachable. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're about to learn something. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) So as we look at this, this passage, let's unpack this today. There's actually three invitations here. Three invitations. Come unto me. That's relationship. The second is, take my yoke upon you. That's discipleship. Then he says, learn of me. That's relationship. I'm going to say it again. Come unto me. Revelation. Take my yoke. Discipleship. Learn of me. Is relationship. So Jesus told these people, come unto me. That's actually, in that word come, that's a two-part action. Because it is a coming out, but also a coming in. You get that? So what were they coming, what was Jesus telling them to come out of? The law. It was a coming out of Moses. And a coming into Jesus, who is grace. John chapter 1 and uh, verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. Now, you've got to understand what Jesus is asking these people to do. He's not asking them to change churches. He's asking them to, to, to come out of, of, of a system that they had been taught from the time they were born. It was a system of law of Moses, of the commandments. This is what they were uh, just indoctrinated with all their life. And so Jesus is asking these people now, I want you to come out of Moses. I want you to come out of that, that law mentality, and I want you to come into me grace. That was a radical shift for them. You understand, it's not just them just moving to a different denomination or, or, or changing uh, places or positions. This was a, 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 just a radical shift for their life. And so Jesus did that with confidence. I don't think Jesus, like, you know, he's looking at the ground and he's, okay, guys, if y'all want to follow me, you can, you know. If you don't, you don't have to. If y'all want to stay with Moses, go ahead. I mean, he's a pretty good guy and everything, but if y'all want to come to me, y'all can. It wasn't like that. It was like, come unto me. And can you imagine the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious leaders that are looking at Jesus, and Jesus is basically saying, y'all leave them, and y'all come to me. Now, you know why they were very upset with Jesus. They just lost their following, right? So learn, he said, learn from me. You see, he wants us to come to him, but he wants us to stay with him. There were a lot of people that 
come, that came to Jesus. But then one day he was talking about the blood and drinking of him and eating his flesh. He lost a lot of people that day. Thousands of people left. Why? Because it was a hard saying. They were willing to come, but they weren't willing to stay. So he wants us to come to him, but he wants us to stay with him. He wants us to learn from him. Learn from me. Not learn of me. There's a big difference. I went to two Bible colleges and a cemetery, I mean a seminary, and uh, <clears throat> we had books that talked about Jesus, that told us about all the different theological terms. And so, but it wasn't necessarily learning from him, it was learning of him. And even today in a lot of churches, people are just learning of Jesus. They're not learning from him. That there's a vast difference there. Anybody want to learn from Jesus? Yeah. Learn about who he is and not just accept somebody else's theological, hermeneutical, philosophical yeah. expression or interpretation of Scripture. I want to learn from him. You know, we, we learned about Arminianism. We learned about Calvinism and all the other isms that are out there, right? And we learned about what other men and women wrote and said about Jesus and their opinions on certain things. But when it comes to, to the, for me, when it comes to the basics of Christianity, it's about learning from Him. Now, this scripture here in Matthew chapter 11, especially verse 28 through 30, I have taught this, and I'm sure other teachers have taught it too, from, from the context of Jesus saying, come to me, those who are laboring, weary, and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So it's like if you're burned down with life, if the cares of life are too much for you, if you're going through all this heartache and all these problems and trials, and just come to Jesus, and he'll take all that burden off of you. Well, I guess that is one way of looking at this scripture. But when I began to look at scripture through the lens of grace, I begin to see things differently. How many know what I'm talking about? And so when I looked at this scripture and, and Jesus was saying, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, my mind said, why did he put that right there? Why did Jesus describe himself in this way? That he is gentle and lowly. Now, some people will take that, you know, if Jesus was just a poor, humble preacher homeless, bunch of, bunch of vagabonds falling all over the wilderness, didn't have a place to lay his head, and, you know, and he, he did some good, and he helped people, and he gave some good advice, but he was just a poor, humble preacher. That's not what that means. And as I was reading this one day, the Lord just spoke to my heart, and it, where it says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. The Lord said, I'm not harsh, and I'm not demanding like the law. I'm not harsh and I'm not demanding like the law. So why should we learn from Jesus? What separates him from all the other teachers and rabbis of his day? What was the difference? He says in John 1.14, the word became what? And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. Why should we learn from him? Because Jesus comes on the scene as, as not just the Son of God, but the Son of Man. And he claims this authority for himself, something that the Pharisees or the Sadducees never did. In fact, they looked at Jesus and said, he's one who speaks with authority. He says, follow me, come to me, learn of me. Why? Because I'm full of grace and truth. The word full means complete, lacking nothing, perfect. Every fiber of Jesus was oozing grace. Grace is not just a, a doctrine or a theological term to be studied. Grace is a person. Say, grace is a person. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus. 
Amen. So now what we see is that every truth in the Bible needs to be examined through the lens of grace. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 tells us that God who at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us through who? Through His Son. Amen. And so the Scriptures, when we look at the Word of God, what do we see? We see Jesus. When we look at grace, what do we see? We see Jesus. And so because He is full of grace, because, the, the, because His message that He brought, the good news, the gospel, that encapsulates what we are today, who we are today, what He has done for us, it is grace. Amen? Why should we learn from Him? Matthew eleven twenty seven. It says, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. All things have been delivered to me. All things. Say all things. Have has been delivered to Him so that you and I can freely receive what the Father has given Him. So it's not about me trying to get something from him. He already has it. And what grace does is grace wants me to receive it. And my response is what? Faith. Yes, Lord. I receive that in my life. Romans 8, 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us anybody interested in free stuff anybody want some free things Jesus did that for us because you see at, at the core at the core meaning of this word grace I know uh, we, we say grace is unmerited favor and it is that but at the very core of that word is gift and the gift is always initiated by the giver with no strings attached. How many have got your Christmas gift, uh, your Christmas shopping done? Anybody? A few of you. Some, some of your family is going to be disappointed. Why, why, why do we give? Why do we spend the time going shopping and fighting the crowds and you know, going through all that stuff. Why do we do that? Because we're out there, we're trying to find that gift. Because the gift that we want to give is initiated by us. And because we receive as much joy in them receiving or getting that as they do receiving it. You get that? How much joy does a father have when we as his children are able to get the revelation of who he is and what he's done and, and we begin to receive all that he has for us? How much joy does it bring him? Not just us, but the father. How much does he want to give to us? You see, grace is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Amen? In John chapter 1, verse 16, this is from the, uh, the, the New Living Translation. From His abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing upon another. Aren't you glad that God is ne will never, ever run out of grace? He will never run out of love. You know why? Because God doesn't, God doesn't just have love. He is love. There's a big, vast difference between just having it and being it. Because if you just have it, that means you can run out of it. But he can't. Praise God. What should we learn from him? One thing I want you to know is that we are now, as believers, those who have received the abundance of grace. Anybody received? Has anybody received? Anybody? Have you received the abundance? Notice it's out of his abundance. It's out of His goodness. It's out of His greatness. It's not what you do or have done. It's what He has done. So we receive from Him, right, into our lives. And so now because you have received, say, I have received, I have received. The, abundance of grace the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Now, watch this. You are now defined by His grace. 
You're not defined by your past. You're not defined by your failures or your weaknesses or your mistakes or your insecurities. You are now defined by His grace in your life. Stop letting others define who you are. Calm down. Put it back in first gear. Amen? Too many people walk around today allowing others to define who they are. Allowing the world, allowing their circumstances. You are defined by His grace. Hallelujah. And that's enough for me just to raise my hand and say, thank you, Jesus. I'm defined by who you are. Amen. Jesus calls to those who are labor and weary. I can imagine as Jesus is looking out that day and he's looking at the crowd, people who have been under this system of the law all their life, I can imagine their shoulders are stooped, their heads are down, there's, there's no smile, there's no expression of joy on their face. And, and as they walk, they walk like this. And I've heard other people come from other countries that are under communism and oppression, missionaries, and talk about how that, that they can tell if you're an American because you walk upright, you've got a smile on your face. But they're walking like this, stooped over shoulders, face to the ground. Why? Because they've lived under oppression for so long that they don't know how to smile. They, they, they don't know how to relax. They don't know how, how to enjoy life. And I can imagine as Jesus is looking over this crowd, that's what he is seeing. And I'm thinking in his heart, this is not what I came here for. This is not why my father created them, to live under this kind of oppression, this kind of bondage, this kind of burden. And so Jesus says, come to me, all you who are, he- who are labored and heavy laden. I like the message. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion. Then what does it say? Then he says, come to me. I love that. Amen. Amen. What should we learn from him? You see, Jesus came to reveal the Father's heart. And in Matthew eleven twenty five 25 through 27, we read that earlier. He says, I thank you, Father, the Lord of heaven, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me of my Father. Amen. Amen. He said, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. What is that saying to us? And I know you good Calvinists out there think that this means, well, there's only certain people that God's going to reveal. The one to whom the Son reveals. That shows right there. But see, they forget to read the next verse. Verse 28. Come to me. So in other words, he's saying, I will reveal, I want to reveal my Father to you, but you've got to come to me. You've got to come out of that old system of the law and allow me to speak into your life and allow me to define who you are apart from the law. Amen? Hmm. The Father's heart for us is all about a covenant relationship. How many know that there's a difference between a covenant and a contract? You see, the the law and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they viewed God as this judge and we had this contract. So a contract, has anybody ever signed a contract before? So what, what does a contract do? It's an agreement between two parties. You have to do this, I have to do this. If you don't do this, then there's legal ramifications, right? So in other words, a contract is, says, if then, if you do this, then I will do this. That's the law. But aren't you glad that the Father says, I don't want that for you. I want a covenant. What does a covenant relationship look like? Because, therefore... Because I love you, because I gave my son for you, therefore, this is what I'm going to do for you, no strings attached. I do it out of my love for you. I want to press this in on you. I want my blessings, I want my goodness to chase you down. Praise God. That's covenant relationship. Amen? 
And so learning from Jesus is not this, uh, it's not just classroom experience and this ivory tower experience. Learning from Jesus is a very personal thing. Amen? What have you allowed him to teach you about grace? What have you allowed him to teach you about his love and your identity? Think about that. What is he teaching you right now? Well, five years ago, I got this revelation. But you see, he promises fresh bread, fresh manna. What are you allowing him to teach you today? We learn that from him. We learn that from his word. You see, he wants us to learn not only who he is, but who we are in him and what he offers us. And the one thing that Jesus said here in the scripture that he wants to offer you is rest. Hmm? Tell somebody, you need to rest. Look to the other name and say, you really need to rest. But here's the saying, it's through the revelation of the Father's heart towards us that we find rest. Hebrews 4.11 says, let us therefore labor to enter that rest. Let us therefore labor to enter the rest. So that's telling us that we have a part in this. You say, wait a minute. How can you labor and rest at the same time? In our natural minds, in our work-driven society, that doesn't make sense for us, make sense to us. How do I labor and rest at the same time? The word labor means to exert yourself. It speaks of diligence, pursuing an endeavor. It also carries the implication of study. So what the Lord showed me was that learning from Jesus is the laboring. Don't seem like much of a labor, does it? When you can sit at the master's feet and learn from him. You see, when I was, was pastoring, I pastored 32 years in is a Pentecostal holiness denomination and real big on sanctification, real big on, on externals, you know, hair long, dresses long, no makeup. It seemed like it was all toward the women for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it was very external driven our doctrine of sanctification. And, and, and because of that, there, there, there plays into that uh, this performance mentality that you have to perform, that, that you have to do certain things. And, and, and when I first started, it was like, man, to get the anointing, you had to pray so much, you had to fast, and you had to do all these things just right. And then if you didn't do it, then God wouldn't anoint you. You weren't anointed. And so it all became this... Uh, for me, it's all about, well, how well can I do? And, and if I did good behind the pulpit, if I preached a good message, if people responded well, people came to the altar, man, good job. But if I didn't, things didn't go the way they should, the message flopped, the people didn't respond. It's like, man, I'm writing my resignation today. Uh, so it, it was all about that. And even to, 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 to the point where if I went out and did anything else, if I, God forbid, go out and play a little bit of golf or something, it was like, man, you know you shouldn't be here. You should be in our study praying and seeking God. That's why you're not anointed. That's why your church ain't growing. It's probably why my golf score wasn't that well. And so you, you had this, so I lived under this sense of guilt and condemnation, even as I was preaching. Theologically, I understood grace. I understood the love of God, but practically, I wasn't putting it into practice in my own life. And so there is this, there, and out of that is born this sense of frustration, and you want to give up. And because I got to, and what really got me was I got to the point where I realized when is good, good enough? Hmm? I mean, how much good do you have to do? Because I think the scripture says if you break one point of the law, you've broken all of it. 
So what's the point? <laughs> right? And so what I found was when I under, began to understand grace and got a hold of that revelation, I began to see myself through him, through the word, not through my works, not through my performance. And it changed me. Amen. I don't know if it changed my preaching any, but it changed me. <laughs> right? It helped me to see myself. And, and I didn't feel like I was in competition all the time. Because you, you get around other preachers back then, and it was like the first thing that they would ask you was, well, how many people you're running? I say about 200. I only catch about 50 of them. <laughs> and so it, it was all about, well, they got this ministry. And I would come away from these these pastor conferences or pastor meetings is supposed to be a thing of encouragement. And I will come away feeling more guilty, more condemned because, because my church wasn't growing like their church. And we didn't have the ministry that they had. And so, again, it was all about this performance. But Hebrews 4, 9, and 10. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has ceased from his works. As God did from his. Wow. Ceased from his works. Now how can I cease from my works and still labor? Because listen, he's not talking about we just stop working for God. A lot of people think that grace means that we can just do what we want to and live sloppy lives and never do anything. Go to church, pray, read your Bible. No, that's not what he's saying. You have ceased from your, from, from your works as a measurement and standard of God's value and love for you. That's what it means. My value doesn't come from my works. It comes from Him. Because you see, God valued me so much that He gave the greatest gift of all, and that was His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, I want to shout so bad right now. How do we learn from Him? I've got to hurry. How do we learn from Him? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How do we learn from Him? It's all about the Word. Jesus reveals Himself to us through His Word. A lot of people today want to go to church and have a relationship with God, but they don't want a relationship with the Word. I like what brother, the way Brother Andrew Walmack puts it. They just want to visit. They don't want to stay. Amen? I know some of you are going home for Christmas. See your in-laws. You don't want to stay. I understand that. You just want to visit. <laughs> Ready to get back home. Two days is enough. Praise God. But you see, he wants us to stay. He doesn't want us just to visit. We have to have a relationship with him through his word. And it is the spirit of God who is the spirit of truth that Jesus says he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit, that's how we learn, is when we take time to listen to Him and internalize that word that we've heard spoke, the word that we hear spoken every Sunday from this pulpit by our pastor in just giving us this word, rich. It is the word of grace. And we take that and we internalize that and we allow the Spirit to show us and we don't allow our emotions and our feelings to be the driving force in our life. We allow that word that we've internalized. That is what we're going on. That is what we're making our decisions based on. We're not saying, well, I feel like this, so I just got to give in. No, it's the word. I've learned from him to rest. But I think as believers that we've accepted some things in our life. We've accepted accepted in our life all this internal turmoil and allowing the external circumstances of life to, to be our driving force to affect the way we feel, the way we respond to, to things and to people. No, it's the Word. Yeah. I'm going to rest. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be in fear. Amen? Right. I'm going to rest in His love and His goodness of what He's done for, for my life. Amen. So Jesus says... Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. So he's saying the yoke is going to be destroyed, the yoke of the law. But you see, this is one of freedom, not bondage. My, 
Burden is easy, my yoke is light. The word easy in the Greek means fit for use. So the yoke of Jesus is going to fit you perfectly. I liken it to uh, some of you men who go to a, a store to buy a coat or a jacket. And you try several on and then you get the one that fits just right. Man, the shoulders and it just fits just right. And you walk around like, yeah, this is the one. I'm a stud. It just fits good. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, brother? Yeah. <laughs> Good preaching, he says. So the yoke that Jesus gives us, it fits us perfectly. Listen, if you ever get to the place where your discipleship, your relationship with the Lord is a burden, and it feels like it's weighing you down, you've got the wrong yoke on. You've got the wrong suit on. Because the one that Jesus offers, he promises us, it's going to be easy. Tell somebody, take it easy. And it's going to be light. It's not going to be a burden. It's not going to weigh you down. And if you're feeling that, you've got the wrong yoke on. So in Jesus' day, um, when, 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 a, when a person wanted to become a disciple of a particular rabbi, right, there was, there was four things that had to take place. For them to be, to carry the yoke of the rabbi. That's what that meant. I'm, I'm now following this person. The first thing was they had to memorize his words. First thing. Again, going back to the word, right? His word. Memorize, internalize his word in your life. The second thing was they had to adopt his interpretation of scripture. Not what man thought, not what theologians thought, not what the, the religious leaders of the day thought. His interpretation. Because if you notice in the scriptures how many times Jesus would say this, you have heard it said, but I say. Right? You have heard it said. I know this is what you've been taught, but this is what I say. And so now his interpretation of scripture is the one that we need to adopt. And can I tell you that when you learn from Jesus... It will never be a place from judgment, condemnation, fear, or guilt. It will always be a place of grace and love. The third thing, you had to imitate his ministry. Imitate his ministry. And, and if you read the book of Acts, you'll see that. And in fact, Acts 14.3, it says this, Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of of his, I love that, don't you? The word of his grace. If you have, you, anybody got, you get your physical Bibles? Wow, really? In this age of technology, people still bring paper to church? This is the living word of God. Hebrews says that. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. This is the living Word of God. Do you understand? This is the Word of His grace. And notice they took that Word of grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. What were they doing? They were imitating Jesus. They were doing exactly what Jesus would have done. Heal the sick, cast out the devils. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. And it, and it comes through grace, the word of his grace. And last of all, they multiplied his teaching to their disciples. So they took those teachings that they, were, they learned from the rabbi and they taught it to other people. That's what we're to be doing. That's how we're going to change the world, folks. Make disciples. Teaching them to do what? To observe these things. Acts 20, 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God. And to the word of his grace. I like that. Which is able to build you up. Give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So the word of his grace. As we are delivering this message to other people. What is it doing? Is it tearing them down? Is it causing condemnation, guilt, and shame in their life? No, what's it, it, the word of grace is going to build you up. If it's not building you up, it's not the word of grace. If, 
if it's not causing you to understand who you are and what you have in Jesus, the inheritance that we have, it's not the word of grace. Amen? How much time? Okay. We all know this story of Mary and Martha, right? Luke chapter 10, verse 37 through 39. And so as we learn how to receive from him, as we learn about his word of grace, who we are, our identity, growing up in him, okay? We, what he wants us to learn is not only the revelation of the Father's heart, how we can rest, but how in that rest we can lean, I think, Brother Greg Moore says this. We can lean. Somebody say lean. lean. Come on now. You got to get Pentecostal. Lean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. That's enough. I'm done. We, <laughs> we got to lean into his grace. So we all know the story of Mary and Martha, right? So Jesus and, and, and his posse comes to, to their house and you got to understand, these were a lot of disciples. These, these, were, these were hungry, grown men. You know, you ain't going to feed them with a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And so, you know, Martha, she's busy in the kitchen cooking, you know, getting the pasta and the salad and, and the chicken going. I mean, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and she stops and looks at Jesus. Don't you care that Mary's not helping me? I'm doing all this work. I'm laboring for you, Jesus. Can you tell her to come help me? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are troubled and worried about many things. So this, this place that you're in right now is coming from somewhere else besides what's going on here. And that's usually the case with a lot of people, right? So you see, frustration will always be, it comes out of this self-effort, thinking that we have to do everything, right? And so Martha was experiencing this in her life. But what was Mary doing? She's just being lazy, what she was doing. <laughs> but see, that's what religion says. Religion says if you're not doing enough spiritually, you're lazy. Bless God, you just need to love God more. You just need to give more. You need to come out here every Saturday and go on them streets and witness and knock on doors. You just got to do more. That's what religion says. But you see, Mary chose, Jesus said, the best part. Anybody like the best part? And that was sitting at his feet. What was she doing sitting at his feet? She was learning to rest. And if Martha had done that, she, she, she would have got done more in less time. And it wouldn't have been such a burden to her. But notice, notice. Jesus was in the house. Anybody, anybody got Jesus in your house? Jesus was there. The word was there. Grace was present. She was still troubled. Mm. What are you saying? I'm saying you can have Jesus in your house. You can hear the word of God day and night. You can be in the, in the presence of grace, grace preachers, grace teachers, but still be troubled and full of anxiousness, full of negative thoughts. Why is that? Because you see, church, we have to choose to learn from him. We have to choose to humble ourselves, receive with humbleness the word of God See, Mary chose to dwell on what was happening, the external circumstances in her life, instead of dwelling on Jesus who was right there with her. And so Mary chose to sit at his feet. Again, when you take this word and you spend time in this word, you're not just sitting in front of pages, paper. You're sitting at the feet of Jesus. What a picture. And you're saying, okay, Jesus, teach me. I'm hungry. I want to know more about you and your grace and your love. And, and I want to know more about who I am in you. See, a lot of people come with the, with the thing, well, I know everything. And I, I bet some of y'all, when I read, read that scripture, 
I've heard that before. How many times have somebody gotten up and said, well, I'm going to talk about God's love today. I'm going to talk about faith. I'm going to talk about grace. And our minds say, well, we just kind of just disconnect or we kind of just, you know, just get, our minds just go somewhere else. I've heard that before where, where you're not receiving with meekness the word of God. Because the word of God, the truths that are in it, can always be given in a new way, in a new light, and you can always learn. Amen? Amen. So I want to tell you a story about how the Lord taught me this and how I leaned into his grace. I think last time I was here and spoke, I, I gave the testimony about my wife passing away June 1st, 2020 uh, from brain tumors. Well, about nine months after that, I had resigned my church in January. I had moved out of the Parsons. I was living with some friends. And one morning I got up. And I was in their kitchen making coffee, getting ready for work. And I just had this sense of, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And at that moment, I just felt kind of lost. Because I had I'd pastored for 32 years. Now that was gone. My, my wife is in heaven rejoicing. And so the, the question of why. Has anybody ever questioned why? I know y'all good spiritual Karis graduates. You, you never question. It, it wasn't that, that I questioned God because I, I, I knew in my heart I had that foundation. God's good. God's great. God didn't do this. God didn't allow this. I understood that. But still, there was that lingering question in the back of my mind. Why? And so at, as I stood in that kitchen that day, the Lord brought Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Again, learning from Jesus, learning from the Word. It's the Word. It's not somebody's opinion about the Word. It's not somebody's interpretation of the Word. It's the Holy Spirit taking that Word and speaking it to your heart in such a way that you say, yes, I see that now. Has anybody ever had that moment? Yeah. Isn't that beautiful when God does that for us? Because it's not something that we heard somebody else tell us. It's not a revelation that we've, that we've got from Pastor Rick or Brother Andrew. It's something that God has showed us personally. I don't know about you, man, but that, 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 just, that just amazes me that God will do that for us. And so as I was there, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me. And I will direct your path. As I meditated on that scripture, the Lord showed me that me asking why in the natural was me leaning to my own understanding. Because I was wanting an answer in the natural. And can I tell you something? Sometimes, folks, there is no answer. The secret things belong unto the Lord. And we just have to accept that. And so... Then it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. I said, okay, God. So whenever that question why came back up in my mind, I acknowledged him. God, you're good. God, you're great. God, you're wonderful. You're a God of love. You love me so much. You've got good plans for my life. Amen? And so that was me leaning into his grace. You get that? How many know that his grace is su sufficient? Paul learned that. Do you know that? Paul learned that. How did he learn that? Because there was a messenger from Satan that was sent to buffet him. I mean, buffet him. The messenger of Satan was there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. To attack, not him. Some of you need to hear this. What you're experiencing, the attack of the enemy, the trials, the tribulations, the, 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 just the, the things of life itself, and, and you thinking, well, it's, it's all about me. It's not about you. It's about your assignment. Yeah, yeah. The enemy wants to stop you from your assignment. God had given Paul an assignment. God had given Paul revelation of grace, and, and the enemy did not want Paul to get any more revelation of grace. He didn't want that revelation to get out. Because he knew once it did, it was over for him. Yeah. Messenger of Satan. 
Paul said, I prayed three times, Lord, take this away. God, take this away. How many of you ever prayed that prayer? <laughs> Anybody? Lord, just take this mess away. Just get rid of them. Unfortunately, sometimes it's been people. <laughs> Lord, just take them on. Take them on, Jesus. Take them on the glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> but what did God tell Paul? My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. That word sufficient means possessed by unfailing strength. Tell somebody you're possessed. <laughs> that means got grace. Has anybody received grace? You are possessed with unfailing strength. You may not feel it. It may not look like it right now in, in the natural. But on the inside, you have the strength of Jesus. And he wants to tell you this morning. No matter what you're facing in life, that His grace is sufficient. Stop looking to yourself. Stop looking to others. And start internalizing that word. Ask Him. Ask Him. Holy Spirit, give me a word in due season. I need to hear from you then get still and get quiet and listen to what He has to say to you. Stop looking at all that's going on around you. All the difficulties, all the world problems, all your personal issues. And just get alone and say, Jesus, I want to learn from you. Because hmm? the most important question that you can ask the Father in, in the season that you may be going through that's difficult the most important question that you can ask him is this. Who do you want to be for me in this season? Who do you want to be for me? You see, the, when, I asked, when I was going through what I was going through, what I found was the, what, who the Father wanted to be for me was a God of goodness and a God of faithfulness. That's what he showed me. Amen. And so God wants to be that for you today. Praise God. Let's stand. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you for who you are and who you want to be for us. And, Lord, you know it, your people today. You know what they're facing and what they're going through in life. So I'm asking you right now, Lord, give them a word. Can you just raise your hands right now? Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing... And just say, Father, give me a word in due season, and I will receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.